right, Lindsay. Uh, so glad that you're here. Um, I appreciate you so much, friend, and I've been wanting to do this for a while. So here we are. Here's the first thing that I want to ask you about. Um, you've been posting some stuff and talking about disrupting the beauty culture that is killing us. And that's something that I find really interesting and wanted to ask you about. So what do you, what do you mean by that when you say the beauty culture that's killing us? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, I believe that we have been truly programmed to believe that we are less than worthy and that we must become something different than ourselves in all sorts of ways. Everything from the makeup to hair color to our nails painted to our boobs done, our lips injected, lipo from here and there, you know, calf implants, like breast implants, the whole thing. I just, I see it as this idea that we aren't enough as we are. And many can consider this to be in conflict because I manage the U.S. territory for a hair color company and other, and people are like, well, what do you mean? Well, the reality is that I believe when we do things, do them with safer things, number one. And I also believe that two truths can be in existence at the same time. And so optimized health is to eliminate so many of these ways where we are creating toxicity in our body as a result of trying to become something that we weren't born as our birthright. It isn't ours naturally. And also, if we have a desire, once we have, you know, the freedom, we're into adulthood and we make decisions, I think it's important that if we're making and conceding in certain places that we understand the known risks, that we have transparency in that, and that companies are required to do it better so that we are safer when we step into those arenas. But you mentioned killing us. So it's like strong language, right? Mm -hmm. So like, why do you, why do you use those words to describe what's happening? Because the chemicals that are part of what the beauty culture really requires for the outcome that we step into these processes and procedures, the chemicals that are, that we become in contact with and exposed to are deadly. They're known carcinogens. We can't negate, like, facts are facts are facts. And the reality is that although at safe levels for one product, a, a, a woman in the world today, um, and no, it doesn't have to be gender related, but it is right now in relation to most humans that are born um, of the female gender, tend to come in contact with more than 50 chemicals. Some, some say even higher than that before we even start our day based on what we're putting on in the shower, what we're putting on our skin, what we're putting in our hair, what we're putting on as, you know, on our, in our clothing. And so these chemicals, although each safely tested or proven to be safe within certain concentrations, were never tested for the way in which they're layered on. And so I believe that because they're allowed in anything and we're consuming at such a high level that we are exposing ourselves to the cancer, ca cancer causing and other disease causing and gut disrupting levels. That's literally, literally leading to our disease and de demise. Hmm. You know, I, I think about this in terms of, of priority, you know, like what, what are our priorities? Because the top priorities <laughs> are going to, um, be the ones that drive my decision-making. So it seems that the top priority for many people is to be viewed positively. My, my image, the way that I look is extremely important. 
And so is that, is that really the thing to focus on? Like as long as people feel that way, that that's the most important thing, then I'm going to do anything in order for me to achieve my goal of looking good. I don't really, I don't care. And it's also like the present moment. Like I don't worry about 10 years right now. Like I want to look good right now. I want to look good when I go out to the party later tonight. Um, and that's, that's my goal. So like, how does something like that change and shift, especially for younger people? Well, I think it's around conscious consumption. So creating consciousness around where the chemicals lie, like having certainty and knowing when I'm putting on this eyeshadow or when I'm choosing the lipstick, if you're choosing it and then you're putting on the perfume and you also washed your face with a face wash and you also have, you know, a standardized deodorant on, like the more that we understand each component, we can make conscious decisions. So maybe you recognize that the deodorant is not necessary, that cutting a lemon in half is more than enough to create you know, the, the reduction of smell or really remove it altogether. And we're not intended not to sweat. So anything that stops our sweating would be something to be concerned about, right? And so maybe the step forward, or as I, I teach it and call it, is to amplify the wellness warrior within is what is it that we're choosing to remove? It doesn't mean that we're going to walk perfectly in this bubble that never has exposure to the ideals of beauty or the products that create what we consider beauty. But when we have consciousness around where there's danger, then we can make really intelligent decisions. I mean, we are the human species considered to be one, you know, if not the most, one of the most intelligent on earth. And so I like to believe that through the knowledge is the power, right? It doesn't mean no to everything. It simply means what are we saying yes to and when are we saying yes to it? So maybe for that Friday night event, you are doing more or putting more chemicals on it can mean that you then are conscious in the celery juice in the morning, the food that you eat that day. And maybe for the remainder of the week, there's really not a lot that's coming in contact with you that would be at that level. And so it's about consciousness for me, which is where the conversation begins. Mm. Is it also about leadership too? Because I wonder, you know, how strong is the influence of what my friends are doing. I think it's really challenging for people to be different than the others in their social circle. Right. So I'm wondering if you've worked with this with people at all. It's like, okay, even if I hear you that this is dangerous and it's not good for my body um, and I want to be doing something different, I don't want to be in a place when I'm surrounded by my friends and they're all doing their makeup and stuff and and I'm making a different choice, then I'm different, then I'm kind of outcast. And I feel like that is the major, definitely one of the major barriers towards moving forward in the direction that you're talking about. What do you think about that? Well, I, I mean, I think that you are well aware, and so maybe your audience isn't, but I have run a daily self-love show for newly, nearly two years, and we have over 100 people come into the space every single day. And so I I wholeheartedly understand what you're saying because we are so influenced by our perceived judgment of others or how we perceive others view us. And I'm, to me, I believe the antidote to that is becoming centered on self, knowing that we're sovereign and that we are like our worth is determined by how we see ourselves. And we're actually the first 
we're the first messenger of our value, of our uh, of our worth, of our um, concepts, of our ideas. And so for me, it's about coming back to self, like coming back and knowing that the humanness is to be pulled in the directions of influence and that mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to escape, especially in the era of tech. We're not going to be able to escape the the commercials and the magazines, it, you know, unless there's some way to shut it all down, it's going to be here. And so what we don't have control of is what's outside of us. But what we do have control of is what's within us. And so it's about bringing forth that message of making the personal decision and stepping away from the ideals and programs that have been bestowed upon us. And it is a learning. It's also an unlearning. It's a reprogramming. But when I think of You know, when I think of uh, how do we walk through this and how do we really start to create a boundary for ourselves where we give ourselves permission to stop caring what others may think, it's in that place where we find the freedom to become conscious in our consumption, make decisions that amplify the wellness warrior within, not get stuck in the what we shoulds, but rather what we choose to do. Yeah, I, I find this like not caring about what other people think to be so deep. I've been working with this one for for some time, and the more that I work with it, the more, if I'm being honest, like it's tremendous. It's it's huge to actually do that. And you mentioned before, you know, like holding holding both of these things in in your hands at once. The fact that like it is human. I, I think I've heard you say, you know, it's a deep desire to want to be desired by other people or to to be seen. So there's like two parts of me. There's one that feels like, okay, this is here and I don't think it's going away completely. So to accept that as a part of my own humanness. But then the other side of it is like, can I, how much of this can I drop genuinely? You know, like does, what is possible for me you know, in, in, in this realm, like does, cause my heart, I think wants not to care, you know, but I'm so, I'm so caught in the habit in my mind of, of caring, but it seems that that care is preventing me from really feeling free in my life. And maybe, maybe all of that, all of us, right? Like instead of tapping into, okay, this is how I am. This is my natural way of being. This is how I was created, which to me is like such an obvious thing. Like, and the children are our teachers with this. You see them, they don't have that self-consciousness, you know, in, in them. And like, oh man, so I just, I want to get to that place. And I think I've, I've come a long way and many of us have, but it's like, it's like gentle on that path of, of shedding it and, and being okay too of, of holding on to something for for a long time, um, but man, like it's it, it's sad. Like it makes me feel sad how 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 deeply rooted that care is for myself and others because ultimately it's going to lead to suffering. Why? Because I don't control someone else's perception of, of me. So I'm in, investing so much in something that's illogical because it's ex- external. And that's the work that like I'm interested in doing a lot, mainly because it's just so practical. 
Like, why would I be invested in so much in something that I don't, I don't control? That does not make sense. What makes sense is to like really dive deep into what I do control and work with that because that's going to lead me to feel a lot better. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I mean, I, well, the first thing is that I would say you're not alone. And in my belief, we don't move past the feeling of it. I actually think that is to be human. It's this connectedness. I actually, I just had it earlier today. I'm, I, for those that your audience may not know, but I'm 21 days out of surgery. And being vulnerable for any person is not something that like we, you know, in the midst of vulnerability, you're not feeling the strongest you've ever felt. Even if you know you're being brave and doing a, a brave or strong thing, something as easy as asking for help, something as, you know, as big as maybe being very transparent with your journey. And just this morning, I had finished loading groceries. It's still pretty, I can't lift my arms over my head. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty tender in a lot of places. And I turned and I actually have emotion coming up because I turned and there was a gentleman walking right past my cart. And I go, oh my goodness, sir, would you mind taking my cart in for me? And he turned and he scoffed at me and he was so judgmental. And Avi, I immediately felt less than a person. I immediately felt like, oh my goodness, like I, you know, I, I was judged and I looked weak and like, you know, I wasn't, and I did respond to him in a way that feels really in alignment with who I am, but to, to believe or expect from myself that I wouldn't have that triggered response and that it wouldn't remind me of feeling vulnerable, I think is where is the first part where we don't show up for ourselves as our best friend, because if my best friend was like, that just happened to me and like, I felt really vulnerable and weak, I wouldn't be like, oh, you should never feel that. First off, I don't like to shit on people. I think it sounds a lot like another S word and I don't like to shit on anybody. But the reality is that I would hold space for that being a very realistic truth that I too would experience likely in the same circumstance. And so for me, it is I, I have no expectation to move away from the space where I consider or am impacted when someone else has an opinion of me. I think the power and the opportunity in it is that I, the faster I catch it, the more quickly I can enact any of the tools in my toolbox that get me back into center. So for instance, in this situation, I got into my car and I immediately put on a self-love song and I turned it really loud and I reminded myself that asking for help is, is, the, it is the most brave thing to do as a human because we are so structured, especially now to be, uh, you know, in this ideal that we're supposed to do it alone. And I gave myself forgiveness and understanding that that came up and that it really hurt me. Like in that moment, it hurt. It hit me right to my core. And it's not about me. And that gentleman's reaction to me has everything to do with him. In fact, that energy that he contains in this world left the moment he left my space. And so now the only responsibility I have is, how am I gonna respond? How am I gonna respond to his reaction? How am I gonna respond to his judgment? That to me puts me back in the driver's seat and reminds me what I've always been in control of, which is I cannot judge that people are gonna judge me. In fact, if anyone ever follows me anywhere, I will likely say something at some point that may be in conflict to something you believe because I am the truth spreader and I mean that by my truth and I say it to create consciousness. And so I, 
I step into the place knowing that there are going to be people that judge me. And and given platforms that we are on in the social world, some even feel so free as to let you know exactly how you've uh, how they feel about you. And if I get wrapped in the expectation that when they say that, I won't feel something. In my opinion, I'm asking to remove my humanness. Mm. So I have permission to feel something, but I also have the incredible opportunity to have awareness very quickly and get right back into what I can control and get recentered on who I am and be sure of who it is that lives within me and the light that lives within me and to get back to shining that quickly. And that for me is the journey that we do on repeat. And I think it is the most exciting one because mm. we get to celebrate how quickly it can happen. Mm. Do you ever, have you ever seen yourself as a filter? Like looked at yourself in, in this way, like all the, these things, the stimulation is coming at you, like this experience that you shared for this person, this, he brought this energy to you. And what, when you're talking about like this process that you, that you went through and you're sharing what, what happened, it, that's that's what I hear is is you being a filter. You're taking in this this energy that that came in, and you're working with it. You're using your tools to work with it, and then something it, something transforms. It's like all these opportunities in this in in these interactions are opportunities to transform energy. <laughs> well, and I like to consider it, and I've got goosebumps to my core right now because I like to consider it. This is the daily gym. Like we talk about going and flexing the muscle or working out. You know, if you want better biceps, you do a whole lot of bicep curls. Well, if you want to be really great at stepping through at times that are difficult because others are imparting their judgment on you and they're literally directing negative energy in your direction, if you want to flex that muscle regularly and you want to become effective at getting back into your center, you're going to have to walk through the experience regularly. Like you will not become proficient by sitting on the sidelines. And so for me, like I look at that every time is like, awesome. Thank you for my workout. Thank you. You just, you just gave me like, thank you for your personal training. I just now became stronger. And so, yeah, there's an like, no, it is not there in the moment that I am wounded in that moment where it triggers me. I feel it first. I've become really in tune with where in my body certain things land and what story or connection or trigger that's connected to. But one of the antidotes to that for me is the gratitude for the opportunity to flex the muscle and freaking show myself yet again how quickly I can come back to what lives within me. And that is the recenter and recenter and recenter. And so the more that it happens, the more gratitude I get, I get the opportunity to have. Yeah, it's so interesting to me to the word acceptance is, is is coming to me. It's like you, you talk about you know being being our best friend. This relationship, which which I'd like to talk a, a little bit more about. But when I think about doing that, then I'm even allowing myself when I can't see the the interaction in this way where I'm grateful for it. That's okay too. Like everything's okay. Like what, whatever I'm experiencing, even if it's anger and frustration, um, jealousy, all that stuff, like that's acceptable too. You know, it, it's, it's not making anything wrong. Like that's getting caught still in that same game. What I say is like taking myself too seriously, you know? Um, and, and the cool thing that I've noticed about doing this is that 
if I allow it to be okay, then that happens less of the time. You know, like I would prefer that any challenging situation that I that I have, that I right away see it as an opportunity, just like what you're saying to flex my muscle, right? But that's also not going to happen. Sometimes it's just going to be too much. So I, I want to be honest with myself about those moments too. Like what what do I do about those those moments when I don't when I'm not able to see that it's an opportunity, you know? Well, I would I mean, there's a difference because again, now we're putting ourselves into a time constraint and we're judging ourselves against time. So we may not be able to do it quickly, but I believe that if we're here and we're surviving and thriving and if we have, if we're intentionally putting forth, uh, you know, an abundance mindset, some will call it, or having high levels of emotional intelligence, if we are doing that regularly, then the time component is our own humanness of judgment. Yes, I'm going to strive to do it as quickly as possible. I had an awareness on that same trip to the grocery store that's been, you know, I, I would have liked to have it years ago and I had it today. So, um, you know, it, it, there isn't there. The moment that we have it is the moment and opportunity for gratitude. And it doesn't negate the journey that it takes to get to that place. Like you don't erase one for the other. And the celebration is when we have the awareness, like we can't change, shift or be intentional around something we don't even see. We can do something accidentally. We can do something in second nature. We can do something habitually. We can do something simply because it's our way of being that impacts somebody some way. But you cannot say it's intentional unless there's awareness. So the moment awareness is created is the moment for celebration because that's where the shift happens. Like that's when we're back in the driver's seat. Until there's awareness, we are moving in habit, moving in, you know, by nature or all moving because it's our task. It, they're they're not the they're not the same thing and and time the time constraint i think is one of the fastest ways that we get into personal and self judgment like because it didn't happen by our expectation of time i strive to do it quickly because i value every breath that's been gifted to me and so of course when something takes me out of alignment and robs my joy and steals my joy it's going to be optimal for me to be able to get back to what is within me but that doesn't mean every emotion I feel is high vibration, like I'm a human. And so doesn't mean I have to rush through the pain, especially if it's a pain because of loss or because of a significant concern. But something like a gentleman casting judgment because he thinks I'm a young girl that's being lazy, that really doesn't serve me to stay, stay with it for long or allow it to stay with me for long. And so I also think there's a, you know, to discern the difference and not judge ourselves, but be aware that there's a significant difference between feeling low vibration because I've lost a loved one versus having a wounded heart because someone judged me about a shopping cart. I wonder about awareness and if there's even anything else that I need to have the intention on doing? Like, is it just enough to have the intention to be as aware as possible and trust in the power of awareness? Well, I think if you uh, spend time with me, you'll learn that I have an aversion to the word need because there are very few things we need to do in this world. We need to eat, we need to drink, mm -hmm. sleep, shelter. Um, some would say love and community. 
some other some other things may make some people's lists, but in priority, there are very few things we need to do. And so for me, we get an opportunity to choose to, we have the ability to do so. And so first right there, I don't think there's anything anybody needs to do, but we do have an opportunity to dance with our awareness. And there, for me, it is simply about having clarity on on how we want to show up, like really clear on who we are, like what's in our heart center, what is it that we want to be known for? One of my, my, my favorite mentors ever, he said to me once during coaching, whatever you say about yourself, I believe you. And I was like, whew, that's dangerous because I didn't speak very nicely about myself. I was like, oh gosh, like if the world is believing that, no wonder I'm falling short or feeling like others are judging me for falling short or any of the stories wrapped around that. So for me, when I think about um, the awareness component, It's when we have clarity around what it is that we want to be known for, how we want people to receive us. And then the awareness is recognizing when we're stepping outside of that. So the the more we know self, the more we know what that is, that's where the awareness comes from. It's like stepping outside of the boundaries. I always think of it like the dogs that wear the zapper collars and like as they get closer, it's like beep, 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 beep. (laughs) And like, you know, that to me, that's the awareness. Um, there isn't a need for a certain level of it. It's simply, I want to, I want to stay within what is in alignment for me. And I, and that creates the ability to see when I'm, I'm a little far or getting close to that boundary. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think that need is, is the right word. More <laughs> of the, I, I get to be aware or there's, there's a lot here for me mm-hmm. in, in awareness. I'm going to benefit from from being aware. Yeah. You know, and the reason why I bring this up though is because often within myself, like I'll have the tendency to project more into the future. Like I want to know what's going to happen, you know, next. And so I like to simplify things. And so it's very helpful to just simplify it and say, awareness is my goal because I believe in the power of awareness and the rest of it will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, without a, without a doubt, I, I, I believe it is our consciousness that we come here for. Like mm. we put the meat suits on in my belief, again, this may be different than others, but like we put the meat suits on our soul steps into this human essence because we come here for many things, awareness being the one that is the fine tuned the fine tuner of the soul, of the soul's journey, of our evolution, because that's where the lessons are. It's in those learnings of, of having and creating consciousness in the way that we move, in the experiences that we have, in the emotions that we feel. And, you know, I, we can extend that on and on and on about all the ways that, uh, that we, we create our life experience through awareness. So I think there, it's so interconnected. I, I do think of it like a filter. So I loved that you use that like a lens, if you will. Um, but I think of it more as like that zoomed out effect, like to be able to be present in the moment. And then it, so it's not always zoomed out, like watching yourself like a video game. Yeah. But it is this opportunity that when something <laughs> is not favorable, that we are like, whoa, 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 this isn't working well. I don't like how this feels. It's not 
you know, it's not going the way I planned. And then to pause and go, let me zoom out a little bit and see what I can see, right? <laughs> I love the, the lens of a microscope, you know, seeing it like, like that. And it's, it's so fun, right? Like that, that is what's happening. That's what I can do. I can zoom in and get really into the nitty gritty and the details of something. And then I can zoom out and see that I'm existing on this planet that's hurling through space, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you mentioned the best friend thing, which I want to, I, I would love mm. to know what you wanted yeah. to cover there, but um, I do have a way that I feel deeply about this. Yeah. I, I've just experienced a lot of benefit in seeing myself in the way that I would another person, right? And that's a zooming out, right? Like zooming out and, and even seeing my job a little bit to take care of Avi. Because when I, if I zoom out and I see like, what if we all did this? Like your job is to take care of Lindsay and my job is to take care of Avi. Everyone's job is to take care of themselves. Like what would happen in the world? And once I answered that question, I was like, whoa, I think like that's it. Like that's like lights going flashing off, like answer, <laughs> you know? So if that's an answer for everyone, okay, well, I, why don't I start myself? Like that's all I can do. Um, and so it's quite, quite, quite the practice. So I'm just interested in, that seems to be a practice for you too. So how is that practice going for you? And uh, what have you discovered by practicing it? Yeah. So one of my dearest friends was the first person that ever really put into my consciousness, this idea that you don't have a best friend in fr the friend group. Okay. So uh, I used to reference, oh, this is my best friend from high school. And this is my best. And so like everybody was my best friend from some situation in my life. My best salon friend, my best, everybody was my best friend. My friend goes, when in the world do you get a million best, right? Like best is like number one, the, <laughs> the one at the front. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like funny that I never considered it that way because I, I've never looked at my friends as, as though there is a one, right? Like there are so many, they bring so many, you being one of them, like you bring a beautiful, unique way in which I get to interact with you that nobody else on this planet interacts with me. It is it is unique only to Abby. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I had never recognized that truth. So um, that was over a decade ago and I dropped the best friend label. I, I became a, a, an aversion for me, quite frankly. And I've taught my children the same thing that we don't have a best friend. And so, but I've always wondered cause there's like all these best friend bracelets and you know, it's, it stayed with me like rumbling around. And it was through my first round of Brene Brown training. I've been blessed to go through training with her three times. Or, and, and it was in the first round where I was like, oh, the best friend. It's literally, it's us. Like we are our best friend. And how can we expect others to treat us in a way we don't even treat ourselves? So if we become the best friend with this body, soul and body, coming together, because that also is where I see the separation. Like the soul's journey will despise the body, will hate something about the outward self. Or when I say the outward self, that can also mean mental dysfunction, health issues. Like we come to be in conflict with the car we're driving. <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't work. It's not energetically, it doesn't work. It's literally, it's like putting the same end of two magnets together and asking them to, to, to unite. Like we are to become one soul and body together. And so it is that union that now every time I see a best friend, I'm like, oh, right. It's when both my inner self, my higher self and my human self 
are in community and become best friends. And when we are best friends, I get to show up as my best, as Lindsayah, with anyone, anywhere, at any time, always, because I've got my best friend with me 100% of the time that has my back. Kind of like you said, like, you know, parenting the Avi, uh, you know, being there for self. And so um, I don't have a best friend in this life. I have friends that I value and would go to the ends of the earth for. But my very best friend, the one that was there with me the moment I took my first breath and will be the one I can guarantee will be by my side when I take my final one, you're looking at her, you're listening to her. And I make no apologies for that anymore. I have goosebumps thinking about this now, dude. I never even say that. Because, <laughs> wow, like what, looking at it through this lens, like what a relationship. Like what a relationship that we have for ourselves. Like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I want to I wanna cry now. <laughs> like thinking about what we have all been through with ourselves. And that only we we know. And the journey is like, it feels like it's too much to even, like so many things have happened to each of us, you know? And instead of being aware of that, I think maybe there's a tendency to run away from the reality because it's it's too much. It's, but maybe maybe it's not too much. Maybe it's exactly like the thing, that key that unlocks the door to really feeling grateful for what this is when I can be in touch with the magnanimity of the, the situation uh, of, of my life. Yeah. yeah, I felt that I felt it too at the same moment. And I don't believe we're ever given too much, even when the thing we're given is the thing that may be what takes us to whatever our next home is. I leave that for others to discern what they believe. But even when the final, when the last gift we're given may be whatever it is that is gonna be our expiration, it's not too much, it's perfectly timed. It's divinely guided, it's intended for us. Like there is, it's not a maybe, it's not too much, it's absolutely not too much. We have proven 100% of the time, if we are listening live to this podcast, you've, you've proved to your best friend 100% of the time that you can get through it. Like you literally don't have an ounce of failure in it or you wouldn't be able to be here listening. And so we, it's insane that we've even like began, we even begin to doubt ourselves. Like, I don't know if I'm capable. I'm like, what? Or I'm, I, my favorite is like, I'm trying. I'm like, what do you mean? You just did it. How do, if someone like literally lifted up this cup and said, I, I'm, I just tried to lift up that cup. We'd all go, what do you, but you didn't try. I just watched you do. And so again, I think that when we become our own best friend, then we have, we give ourselves that permission, the next layer of permission to start celebrating the success, to not, you know, to not minimize or reduce the glory of all of our experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, because we weren't promised an easy life. We weren't promised a perfect life because there isn't even such a thing, but we were given the gift of life. And so there's gonna be a lot of experiences. They're not all gonna be favorable. And that's because we're here to learn lessons. And if everything was favorable, we would not have the opportunity to show up for self. So it's the gift in all of the lessons and all of the hard moments. And we're perfectly designed to walk through and successfully be on the other side. 
have everything put in our pathway right up until the last breath. And even that we are successful in because it's the timing for the transition. And so we go. Yeah. You know, when I hear you, you talking like this, it makes me think and feel that like everything's perfect, you know, the way, the way that it's un unfolding and there's nothing to do. <laughs> you know, uh, but my mind really has the tendency to feel that there is something to do. I'm, I'm very interested in this, right? Like, and there's a lot of pushback, you know, but there's all this suffering and pain and things that are wrong and injustice in the world and all, all of that. And so it like flies in the face of this notion that um, everything is perfect and just the way that it's supposed to be, uh, which now I, I, I believe that. I, f I feel that, it, that it's true. Um, it reminds me of, I think, a line from the Tao Te Ching and it says, you know, um, you know, the master does nothing and everything gets done. Um, so I'm curious, cause I know you, you, you do <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm, told this, I'm this, told this, I'm told this. So, okay. So that's perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm told that. And so this is what I'm interested in. And like, I, I have like a an opinion on this myself because I've been practicing. Like, right. My, my opinion is that when I kind of relax into this place that everything is how it is, well, I still need to do something with my time. Right. Like, and I've come to believe that I will take, <laughs> it's so tricky. Like the way that it, the way that it works <laughs> is so, it's so tricky because you know, there's no wrong action, but I've come to believe that I will take higher levels of action when I feel content and in alignment with that there's like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. Mm. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was, I was made into that, but yeah, I, I, I am often, this is something that is often spoken over me about how much I do. So it's something that I hear from the world often. And in the same, in the same breath, like I'm perfectly placed to be doing the things I choose to do. And so I do as many as I am inspired to do in the way that I'm inspired to do it. And if that looks a lot, like a lot for other people, I always ask, like, what are you measuring that to? Cause it sounds mm. a bit like comparison. And that means that there's some form of expectation of self that you're not meeting because it's far less about what I'm doing. And in the same thing, I do meet, especially in our like healer culture where there's this like, everything is perfect and I don't have to do anything. And I'm like, listen, when we say everything is perfectly placed to be in your pathway for success, success first off is defined by you. So is that literally like, is that making meeting the end of the month with the exact amount of money in the bank account to get everything done and this certain amount left over for whatever, or maybe perfectly matched. Like your level, everybody's success is different first. So we can't use that as a metric to like do a comparative model. But even more importantly, when we think of um, this idea of relaxing into it, relaxing into it is actually, in my opinion, trusting my best friend. Like, trusting that when I'm called to task or have a desire 
that I contain all that I need or I would require to be able to accomplish that. So need, breath in my air or breath in my lungs, food in my belly, blah, blah, blah. All the things required, the skill set, the knowledge, the ability to ask for help, all of those things. But the idea that the flow means never, never uh, what some people consider working hard or chasing down a goal, you know, the reality is that effort is put towards and intention is put towards a lot of things in my life. And I think when we approach it in like, I get to do this and this is fun and this is my bigger dream. And I don't look, you know, the difference is I don't have a finish line. Like I don't pretend to know I set an objective on my vision board. I have an objective. I know what I'm calling in my end of every prayer. Is this or something greater? That is always it because I know that that's my human, my human eyes see this as the possibility. Um, I know the probability is high because I've been able to, again, make it all the way here. So, and I've accomplished a lot of things off that board, but I also know that because that is where I'm heading, it doesn't mean it's where I'll, the destination I'll arrive to. I, it, often it surpasses it by leaps and bounds I couldn't even expect. So for me, it is like when, when we're considering, um, when we're considering the flow, when we're considering leaning into and allowing, that to me is leaning in and allowing me to be me. It is not leaning in and allowing and expecting what I want to arrive in my lap without any intention or energy put in the direction. And so, I, again, I think they can live at the same time. I feel as though I'm, I, people will say, you do a lot. And I'm like, I'm in flow. Like, I'm in flow. I, the way that I move through my days, I really enjoy the way that I construct and create my time and ideas and projects and planning. Like, it it only feels that way because of someone else and the way they're evaluating what they're doing. And so I ask people to step away from the idea that flow means no action, but to know you can right. be in flow while in action. <laughs> that I think you just summed up what I was trying to, to say, you know, but I noticed there's, there's like a, I think there's like a fear of laziness mm. that if I let go into that flow, then I'm going to be lazy and I'm not going to like that that person if I do that. Uh, yeah. And I think it's fair because I do think that being self-guided and self-motivated are not things that are the easiest to walk into. I think that's why coaches and mentors and guides and, you know, uh, the wise ones and, uh, you know, all of these, uh, in all of human history, we, we have those that we look to as a source of inspiration and also, uh, direction. And so I, I don't think that, I think if we expect ourselves to always be self-motivated, then again, we're in this place where, you know, I, I don't think we're meant to do it in that exact fashion, However, when you're showing up for your best friend, it's easy to be able to do things regularly, to stay motivated. When you have a a desire around who you are and how you want the world to see you, it's in flow to be a fanatic about whatever it takes to get that done. 
And to know that doing nothing when that is being called to you, you give yourself permission for that too. But of course, like being in flow, not working, hanging out all day and desiring a million dollars, like those might be a bit in opposition, right? (laughs) We may have to, we may have to talk about expectation there. Right. What, What I think, what I would add to a need, and I love what you said about needs. I really, I really agree with that. Um, one need that if I'm being my best friend and and looking at, you know, how I can best take care of Avi, what I noticed there is that a purpose, I would also add to that list, a, a sense of purpose. I feel that, and I think most of us do, a sense of purpose. And it's that sense of purpose, if we're tapping into it, that will take care of the laziness aspect. Like that's an element of self-care is purpose. If, if someone is not feeling... Uh, a sense of purpose in their life, then I think there's something missing there to look at in in terms of the self-care, you know, element. Um, but it's also, it's scary to tap into purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, the other thing is, is so often when I hear purpose, I hear it in reference to something outside of me. Like I'm looking for my purpose. I'll hear that all the time. Like I'm, I, mm. I don't know what my purpose is yet. I'm looking to find my purpose. And I'm, and I'm like, well, if, what if our purpose is to be our own best friend? Like, what if it Mm. is that it's like, that is the purpose. So what if it is to stand in a literal mirror or proverbial mirror? What if it is to stand in the mirror and ask your best friend, what is it that I could do that makes you the most excited today? That makes you feel the most in flow? Like to asking these questions of what is that within us? And as we nurture ourselves, then we go out and we serve at a very high level, which many then reference that serving as the purpose. And I'm like, no, that's the result of having the purpose of taking care of self. Or even, yeah, I, I think what you're identifying is actually the feeling. The purpose is, is the feeling, you know? And if, if you do something kind for someone else, you serve someone else, notice how does that feel? And if that feels good, if it feels healthy, then that, that's the purpose. I think the connection is the feeling in the body. Yeah. People all the time are like, I just love to help people. Okay. I get that too. Like I'm super generous. I know you're super generous. I know we roll with a super generous crew. So like without a doubt, but I really call humans to consider the reason why it feels good. And to your point, it's because we feel good. So if we come back to serving self, not in an egotistical way, not in a boastful way, not in a conceited way, but if we come back to knowing what makes us feel good and of course, conceiving health and all of these things, because we're not saying, oh, drugs feel good. Take a lot of drugs, right? Like we've got to, we are intelligent beings. So we we do uh, require rising to the level of our intelligence and understanding that it's It's about feeling good and preserving this human form that is our best friend. Like, what would we do that to our best friend? Would we give that drug? Would we uh, say that word? Would we um, minimize that dream? Would we reduce the shine? Like, if we wouldn't do that to our best friend, if we treat ourselves like our best friend and for our best friend, we would want them to feel the best that they could. And if the way they they evoked that feeling of fulfillment was by serving. We, 
it desires, a, it requires a consciousness to understand that that's self-serving. Like we, we, right. it is not absent of serving self by helping someone else. Yeah. And it, it really excites me that nature is kind of set up this way. Like it didn't need, it doesn't need to be this way, uh, but it is. And I think it's really cool that, that it is tapping into exactly what you're talking about, I think is, is just like going in the direction of truth. I think that, that that is that is truth, and there's a lot of confusion around this issue. Um, I think it's great. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you about um, is that I've I've uh, heard you talk about you know becoming a mom and the shift that this brought for you. That that was like a big change in your life, and obviously becoming a parent, I think, is one of those major life events that will open open things up. Um, but I, I wondered if you can share about, you know, this event, this change, like what, what changed and, and then also, you know, working with other people, big changes, big shifts that happen where all of a sudden you see life in a different way. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just these events, is there any similarities that you see about when they happen? Because it seems like sometimes like rare, that's like, like big change, big shift only happens, you know, maybe a few times in our, in our life. Yeah. Well, of course, there's no coincidence that I was literally sharing the story right before the cart incident. So everything's coming full circle. <laughs> and if you know me, you know, I love to look for miracles. So I love to witness them. And the more I see them, the more I see to seek, the more I see them. Right. So, um, when I, in terms of becoming a mom, I was a young mom. I became a mom the, uh, when I was 20 years old and my daughter's the result of a morning after pill. Judge me if you'd like, but the real talk, I was in college full-time, working full-time, living with my then boyfriend. And I was in no, I was in no mindset of having children. Like quite frankly, it was the farthest thing from what I wanted at, in that time in space. And my sweet being said, I don't care what you're doing. I'm coming into this earth plane. And, um, and it's remarkable and the greatest miracle because what many, and I just shared this story, I grew up, you know, with a scarcity mindset without question, disease, illness, disorders, diagnoses, the whole, the whole lot. And I felt very ill-prepared. In fact, I was terrified at the idea of becoming a mom because I didn't like, definitely didn't love and for sure did not trust myself. Um, and I felt very betrayed by myself. I felt very betrayed by the body that I had. I felt very betrayed by a lot of things about me. And my, you know, I had that, people call that, you call it a big moment. I, I call it an epiphany, like a, a true epiphany that came through. Uh, some will call it a God moment. Some will call it higher source. Again, I meet you where you are, but I know how it felt for me. And um, I recognized when that stick turned double line pink and I was going to be a mom, I literally had the warming sensation and I realized like that that was meant for me, even though I was terrified. Like I knew that in my body that was that I was about to be a mom rather than making another decision. And it was not in that exact moment, because there were a couple months between then and finding out that I was going to be the mom to a daughter. 
but it is in the moment of learning I was going to be a mom to a daughter that there was a significant shift. And by the way, I have a son and he shifted my life and he's another one of my epiphanies. So no minimizing to that. She's simply first in birth order. So she was, she was the one where I had the first experience, but what happened at that moment and talk about purpose. Um, she did become an outward purpose before I found inward purpose. And so she became the, she became the thermostat for everything I would accept in life. And so what I didn't feel good enough for, what I didn't feel worthy of, what I didn't think I was able to attract, I was willing to accept nothing less for her, especially given the way that I grew up in in some of my circumstances I was, it it became my biggest absolute why that I would not walk in the same way. Now, that doesn't mean you can control everything. We've, of course, have hiccups and I've, you know, I'll I'll pay for both of my kids' uh, therapy as they get older because without a doubt, I've imparted (laughs) some form of trauma more than one time. I'm a human and I recognize that. But the thing that shifted there was I went from, evaluating my life decisions based on my own perceived worthiness to that of what I thought an angel was worth because she was the epitome of anything I'd ever met in my life. There was at that moment, nothing greater in the earth plane for me anywhere. You couldn't have convinced me otherwise and still can't. And so what she deserved and what she was worthy of literally became what was my thermostat, how I measured everything. And it was life-changing for me because I wouldn't have gotten there otherwise. I, I don't know that I would be even close to the human that I am. Well, actually, I do know. I know with absolute certainty I would not even be close to the human that I am because my trajectory was in, in the decision-making and the discernment around what I allowed based on my own perceived self-worth was so vastly different. And so, yeah, that was an epiphany because it started to attract things into my life because I held a different standard because I had a different boundary, because I had a much higher level of perceived worth, because it was in relation to her first. Hmm. Do you ever have the experience of like trying to hold on to the epiphany that you had? Or like, maybe there was there was one big moment, or like we have moments of clarity, and then life, you know, ebbs and flows and twists and turns and everything. And sometimes in moments where the clarity isn't there, there's like, there's confusion, right, of, of, of sorts. Um, so you ever notice yourself trying to like grasp back to that moment of, of clarity or having any difficulties um, going from being clear to being unclear and wanting to kind of like force that clarity in a more challenging moment? So I would frame it as I, I will revisit those moments when I feel unclear. So when I feel unclear, I go back to these moments and epiphanies. And then another one of my great mentors shared this great teaching for me a long time ago that I've adopted, which is when you experience deja vu, that's a bookmark that you placed before coming earthside to give you the knowing that you're on the right path. Another great Mm. way of experiencing this is when we get, 
you know, there's a difference between getting goosebumps and getting like chilled to the bone. And there's, that's why we say chilled to the bone. Cause it's how we feel it all the way into the, you know, our bones, into the, our, our center, our energy center. And so when she gifted me with that understanding that every moment that I have deja vu where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have seen this. I have walked through this. Like I know this. And then every moment that I get the bone chilling, we've had, I've already had it here with you. That is an energetic hug. That is a reminder. I don't require clarity. That is the Mm -hmm. certainty that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm on the right path. I'm in my purpose. And there is nothing else for me to figure out outside of continue being what I am, continue stepping forward the way that I do. And don't lose sight of that because it's why I get those experiences. So for me, I look forward. And so, yes, when I have the big epiphanies, I reflect on them when I have loss of clarity, for sure. I go back and sit in those moments where when I thought that it was not intended to be that way, it showed up and served me in such an enormous way. And then I also, I told you earlier that I seek to see the miracles. And so every deja vu and every bone chilling experience is another energetic hug that reminds me. And so I get those so frequently, so freaking frequently now that I I settle for nothing outside of accepting that and allowing the hug to reside within me and continuing to allow it to fuel me. <laughs> yeah, you make, make me think back uh, earlier today, I drove past a, like a little tiny side street on a road that I don't normally go on. And it said, uh, uh, Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite your name, but I no, like thought, well, I thought you was like that. Like, like, yeah. Let's actually unpack that for a moment. So I, and my birth name is Lincia. Nobody calls me that. My mom only ever called me Lincia if I was in trouble. It was Lincia Marie. That meant you're getting your ass handed to you. Oh, forgive me. I don't know. If I meant, but anyways, that's what it meant. Uh, but the reality is that um, based in the era and uh, in, in real talk, like um, I'm going to go with the the judgment and racism. And I don't consider my I didn't I wouldn't have looked at my grandpa. I mean, he had he had friends from all colors of the spectrum. He also came from a different era, but that doesn't that doesn't permit his judgment. And for him, my name was too reflective of something that was ethnic in his opinion. And it didn't it didn't have to do with only one type of people. It was literally ethnic. So like it was to all of the things that weren't Italian, German or white. Right. And so um, Mm. it wasn't about a a specific group of people, but 100 percent something that held true. And so my family actually called me Lindsay. So it was this interesting dichotomy. And I did do a ceremony where I went back and I have loved on Lindsay because I separated from that I that identity because I moved a lot around. My name is spelled Lindsaya. So every school, the new teacher pronouncing my name, well, when you're in second grade and you're in a brand new school and someone says Lindsaya and the whole class starts calling you Lindsaya, you're now known as Lindsaya, right? And so I actually walked with two identities. I had my identity with my friends and my social group and soccer and everybody. And then I had my family, my, you know, my cousins and my grandpa and all of them call me Lindsay. And so that is a beautiful miracle that you even knew to speak that out here because um, there was a, there was a union that did require, it wasn't required. I chose to go back and reunite with that piece of me. 
and know that Lindsay is as protected in my body. She's as loved and as valued. And there's no reason to be ashamed of that feeling that used to feel as though I had to be something different in each place. And so there's a marriage that happened within that. And so Lindsay and Lindsay live within this body. However, if you call me Lindsay, I won't respond because it literally like passes me as not my name. Like people will be like, I, I was calling for you. And then I, I realize they're calling me Lindsay. And I'm like, well, that was kind of the problem. <laughs> like, it, I, it, you know, it, I, you don't typically respond to something that's not your name. But um, and then I've also had all the experiences of like credit cards showing up as though, you know, back in the day when we had to fill in the blocks to get a credit card, like they pretended as though I like put the A there on accident and they'd scoot it to my middle name or drop it all together. And so there there used to be this tug of war with the name Lindsay. I used to get really mad that everything uh, everything was, you know, you could go buy pencils and, and markers and all of the things with your name on them back when we were growing up. I used to get so pissed that there was never a Lindsayia only Lindsay and my grandma would take a little black marker and she would try to like personalize everything for me. God love her. So, um, no, that was, that right there was a miracle, Abby. That was a miracle. Thank you for gifting that to me. Mm. Yeah. Now yeah, it was cool. It was a miracle from wherever. I just started like, Oh, I'm, I'm meeting with Lindsay later. That's, that's great. Yeah. Those, those moments. And yeah, I know how it feels too not to have the little uh, keychains or whatnot. <laughs> you on it. can I understand that, that <laughs> either. Uh, oh, Mash, uh, thank you so much. Um, there's so much that we didn't talk about still that that you're doing. One one thing, just just to mention it, um, and so people know about you is this idea around conscious consumption, which I think is extremely important, and growing your own food. Um, and you're doing a lot around this. Um, so I want to ask if if people are interested in, in more of what you're doing, uh, what's what's the best way to uh, to get in touch with you to find out more about what you have going on? The most beautiful thing is that if you type Linzea pretty much, well, not in, not pretty much in any any uh, internet um, <laughs> interface, Google, uh, Safari, whatever. You're going to find me. So I'm not hard to find, but yeah, linzea.com. It will take you right to the website and that's easy to find everything and connect there. I'm also very responsive on social medias and can be found by my name everywhere. So I would invite people to know that I love connection. I'm an only child who's been calling in community my entire life. I Mm -hmm. enjoy and really thrive off of the connection and interaction. And so if there's something that I've said that someone creates, you know, creates some curiosity for someone, we host retreats and events, which are great opportunities to be in person with me and uh, to get more of that intimate one-on-one. But we also do a lot virtually. And I would invite everyone to message me on any platform or visit the website and let's connect. Thank you so much, friend. Thank Appreciate you, friend. you. Appreciate this time together. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.